I'm Dave Rubin and welcome to another Friday panel extravaganza. Today we're going to be discussing school closures, school choice, and homeschooling. And joining me are the director of school choice at the Reason Foundation, Corey DeAngelis, author, actress, and education activist, Sam Sorbo, and the director of outreach for PragerU's new prep program, Jill Simonian. Welcome to the Rubin Report, everybody. Thank Thanks you. So much. Thank you. All right, so we've been connected for about 10 minutes and we all just vented about our feelings about lockdowns and masks, but we're gonna focus on education here. And I realize that we're all sort of in interesting cities right now. So Jill, I'm gonna start with you because you're, we're actually pretty close. We're about a mile away from each other. You're here in crazy Los Angeles. I'm not happy with it. I don't even have kids yet, but I'm not happy with the teachers union. Schools are still not open. Everyone's kind of freaking out. What is the state of schools in LA right now? Okay, so the state of schools in the LA area, I my full disclosure, my kids are in a public school in a district that we specifically moved to outside of the LA area because the schools were top notch years ago. And the state is crazy. Us parents are so angry. I have been angry. Our district and, and we're we're not in LA Unified, okay? We're in a what's known as a boutique school district that is very much has been in partnership, open conversation, wonderful relationship with parents in the community. But it's all, I, I hate to say this, it's gone to hell in a handbasket the last year. Yeah. Push pull, I, d divisiveness, I can't even describe it. Finally, finally, my two elementary school children are in school back every day, three hour hybrid scenario. Uh, since you know, for the last few weeks. So progress, but still very angry and just. Right, and of course, a lot of that has to do with the unions. We're gonna get to them in a little bit. So from the city that I'm stuck in to the state that I wanna live in, Sam, you are in Florida. <laughs> Look at you. Look at you rubbing it in, in sunny I Florida. I said nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I can just feel it. I, I can just feel that thing from you Floridians now. No, what, what's going on in Florida? Because DeSantis obviously has largely kept the state open. Yes, and the schools are open and he actually took school closures pretty much off the table. So schools have been in session. Of course, I come to this from a completely different standpoint. I haven't been, my kids haven't been in schools in over a decade. I've been an advocate for homeschooling and I've written a few books about it. And you mm -hmm. can go to samsorbo.com if you want more information. I, and it's funny because Dave, I found myself on the same side as the left saying, don't put kids back in school, <laughs> keep them closed. Um, of course, I say that somewhat tongue in cheek, right. but frankly, what we are teaching our students in schools is progressivism, is socialism, is Marxism. And I don't, I don't know if there's a solution to that because it's ingrained in the textbooks and the teachers have been indoctrinated at this point. And so it's going to be very difficult to, uh, to withdraw from that mentality, uh, especially for our youth. And now we have even further things coming down the pike. So there's a whole new directive to basically turn our children into social justice warriors, 
to convince them that they are the oppressed class so that they uh, fight against the um, the authorities and overturn the system. And mind you, of course, they're putting this through without any plans for what the new system would be, the system that might be better than mm -hmm. the European-centric uh, white system that's, that's, uh, that started this whole this whole great experiment that we call the United States of America. It's anti-American. And so, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much where I am. <laughs> yeah, you bring up a couple things that I wanna hit on throughout the chat, but this idea of suddenly it's conservatives, let's say, or basically anyone right or non-woke trying to get all the kids back to school, but that's exactly where they're learning all these bad ideas is a really, a really strange tension right now. Uh, Corey, you've been talking about school closures and everything else for quite some time. You are in DC. How's it going in the zombie apocalypse of DC? Are you in the caged up zone over there? Yes, I'm right in the middle of DC. And look, the public schools out here spend over $31,000 per child per year. And I'd say the best solution to all of this uh, mess is to let the money follow the child. Even mm -hmm. if you don't give them the full $31,000, let's say you give them $20,000, they can afford a lot of private schools for the, with that money. Okay, so I love the idea of funding students, not the system. Uh, but let's bring this back to the unions for, for just a sec, because I know you've been talking about this for a while, Corey. But Jill, as someone that you teach educators how to be better educators, and you also have your kids in public school, which is pretty rare for you know, successful people in, in the LA area, they preach public schools, but they all send their kids to private schools. What do we do about the union situation here? Because it seems like they never are gonna go back until they get a list of demands that have nothing to do with COVID at this point, as we're seeing it, it has much more to do with the new equity programs and everything else. My little community was lift the veil and really expose a lot of us parents who were blind for a very, very long time. And I raised my hand because I am included in that group that was blind. Uh, it showed us the truth and it got us angry. And it's required us to be very, very courageous uh, in addressing what is happening, uh, you know, without in a very unfiltered way. And it's gotten down and dirty and ugly at a lot of the school board meetings. But I think that that's where it starts. And one thing that we're trying to do uh, here at PragerU's new prep program is, among many things, to give parents courage to start speaking up. We cannot be quiet anymore. We need to start speaking up, holding the unions accountable, calling teachers out individually who are the union leaders who are pushing for these egregious lockdowns or demands and whatever, you know, whatever they're, we have to start speaking up. And that's what we've been doing on a, my family, you know, and my community members on a personal level. And we have seen, I'm not going to say anything is perfect, but we have seen certain directives and goals slow down. Certain things that the union wanted that we're pushing for, we've seen them see the army of parents of all of us come out and they've slowed down a little bit. Is it gonna work forever? I don't know. But it starts with parents speaking up loud and not being ashamed of it. So Sam, uh, not only are you feeling good because you live in Florida, but now that like homeschooling has sort of gone mainstream, like everyone's kind of talking about it now. Um, you said you've been doing it for 10 years, is that what you said? Yeah, over a decade, yeah. Over, for over a decade. Can you tell us like what got you into it? And are you kind of feeling like, yeah, guys, you're all late to the party. This is what you should have been doing all along. <laughs> well, I've been, I've been preaching this for, for years now, but uh, 
Uh, I'm I'm thrilled that people are starting to see the benefits of uh, home education. And I, I would prefer to call it home education because schooling is what happens in school. And you end up with people who cannot think uh, because they're not they're being taught actually not to think. And I, I, I say that, for instance, we didn't ask the right questions when the pandemic came down. We agreed with two weeks to flatten the curve and then they changed it to slow the spread and nobody asked the question. And the reason that they didn't is because in school, we learn that you have to ask a quest, you have to ask permission before you ask a question. And, and it goes on and on from there. So for instance, parents say, used to say to me, I could never homeschool, I, I wouldn't know how. And my question was always, did you graduate high school? And they would say yes. And I said, but you feel inadequate to teach a third grader. <laughs> so uh, since the definition of education is basically learning something well enough to teach it, um, perhaps you haven't been educated. Maybe you've been schooled and perhaps you should reconsider whether you want to send your child into the system that, you know, turned out the likes of you. And so, you know, this is sort of <laughs> an ongoing conversation. What's that? They always take that well, I assume. Yeah. You know, it's I, I do it rhetorically and maybe not so much in person because I don't want to make enemies. But but frankly, uh, people don't really understand anymore in this nation what education is. And that's the sad truth, because education used to be engaged in the pursuance of truth and it is no longer. And so we used to pursue truth, beauty and goodness. And now we are teaching children that there are no such things that truth is malleable, beauty is simply in the eye of the beholder, all evidence to the contrary, because if you look at a sunset, typically you say it's beautiful, and if you don't think a sunset is beautiful, there's something wrong with you and not the sunset. But now we're teaching kids, no, no, beauty is simply in the eye of the beholder. And um, and goodness, well, that's on a sliding scale too. Some yeah. things are good and you know, sometimes if you steal from somebody, hey, the insurance company's going to pay for it. So it's good. I mean, we're 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 really at that at that edge now. And so yeah, the homeschool movement has grown and I'm very hopeful that people will understand that it's more about the relationship between the child and the parent and the relationship that the child has to truth, beauty and goodness. The main thrust of home education is that we are teaching children to teach themselves. And that's a skill that's a lifelong skill. We are not teaching that in schools. So I And to, I do got to Go ahead. I was going to say I do want to jump in because everything that Sam said Sam Sam you know that you're already one of my unofficial mentors here. I listen to your words and I soak it all up, honey. But because <laughs> it's, it's 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 smart and it's truthful and it's exactly what so many of us parents want. But I gotta ask, and maybe this is the naive part of me because my kids are still so young. But isn't everything what you just said and described, all of those values that we share, isn't it worth fighting for families through our public schools to keep those ideals? our public schools, through our children, through our parental involvement as much as possible. Isn't it worth fighting for? That, that's why I'm still hanging on to this. Yeah, okay, my kids are in school and it's public school and there's problems and issues, but I'm going to fight because it's worth fighting for. Let me, let me actually pose, that was exactly the question that I wanted to, to ask Corey, because as the school choice guy, I hear what Sam's saying and it's like, how could anyone send their kids to public school? And then I hear Jill and she's doing it and there's some, some pushback that's kind of working. 
But, but what do you think about that question? And then I'll, I'll let Sam answer yeah, as well. Real quick on the homeschooling, I just want to point out that the U.S. Census Bureau just released a report suggesting that about 11% of households are now formally homeschooling, not pandemic wow. schooling at home, but unenrolling their kids and formally homeschooling, which is essentially a tripling of it just a couple of years ago. So it's wow. a huge yeah. spike in homeschooling. But then I also want to uh, respond to Jill's point and say, yes, I think we should do both. You should push for reform in the traditional system. I will say I think uh, school choice or what I call funding students as opposed to institutions does both things at the same time because it provides that bottom-up accountability for the public schools to change their curriculums and to change how they teach and how effectively they teach students. And it incentivizes them to open their doors for business. There's a recent report from Brown University, a working paper out there that just came out last year, finding that public school districts with more low-cost Catholic schools in the area were more likely to reopen their doors for business, which gives credibility to the argument that competition is a rising tide that lifts all boats. And in the school choice literature, there's about 27 studies, 25 of those 27 studies similarly find that school choice competition leads to better outcomes in the public school. So we should expect the, the curriculums to change as a result of the competition as well. And I will say it's, it's a lot tougher to get things done through the democratic process um, because the unions are so powerful and the seat, and then the teachers might still just do the same thing anyway. And that may take a long time. A lot of families don't have it much longer and they wanna have choices now. And I think that's why so many states are pushing school choice legislation right now. About 30 states have introduced bills to fund students as opposed to systems, and about a third of those states have already passed at least one bill out of at least one chamber. So in a way, the teachers unions have kind of overplayed their hand this year. Yeah, interesting. So I want, I want Sam to jump in on that question as well. Jill, I'll give you my answer though, which is one of the last things that was allowing me to say, oh, I still am an old school liberal, was that I believed that there was some role in for the public for you know for public education the tax money should be used for public education I've really shifted into more of Corey's position on this which is fund students not the institutions because yeah. I think and I, I'm fairly I don't want to put words in Sam's mouth but I think she's going to agree with me that the woke ideology is so pervasive it is so in the system right now that even if you get little wins at public schools they're only going to be little wins as the tide just just keeps going. But but Sam, I take do it away. agree. No, no, no. I do agree with that. I do agree with that. So let's just say you can have, as Corey points out, and I love I love all of Corey's points, frankly, and I'm I'm so heartened to hear uh, actual statistics. I hadn't seen that study yet. Uh, but I will say that um, you can have it both ways. You can join the school board, run for school board. You can try to hold the unions accountable, but also not sacrifice your children to the wokeness beast that has invaded our schools. And I would put to parents, and, and by the way, let me just say, I'm really sad to be the one carrying this message. I do not relish my position here. I just know the things that I know. And I also want to say I don't blame teachers because I think teachers are trying to do the best that they can in a system that has now been corrupted by an ideology that sought to corrupt, okay? But when you have a child that I spoke to on the phone, have, having been given a, a poem that featured erotic, violent sexual imagery, okay, yeah. and with no warning, 
And she said she felt violated. And yet, because the parents are so sort of beholden to this system of edge, and it's not education, and it's not working, and we are 27th in the world, and, and we spend more than any other country except Switzerland on each on our students, and, 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 so it's a broken system, and we're just not willing to admit that it's broken, you know, then, then, then you come up against, what's it worth? How precious are your children? Mm-hmm. And that's really what it comes down to, because the problem is when the child is exposed to some of the information that is given out in in the schools and it's in the textbooks, it's it's and some of the teachers are boy, there was a teacher who read this poem to the class. Right. Um, It's too late. That that young woman was already violated. It was too late. They raised a ruckus and they went to the school board and they, you know, demanded Mm -hmm. an apology. It's too late. Yes. There are certain things you can't unsee. So so there's a there's a choice to be made. And I would say because I've been in this for long enough. Yes, I was tremendously insecure. That's why my book is titled the way it is. Um, I was tremendously insecure when I started. And what I discovered is it's not about me. It doesn't really matter how capable I am in terms of what I know. All I have to do is be the lead learner and show my child that they can teach themselves anything and I'm equipping them to handle the world. I'm also showing them relationship and love of truth, beauty, and goodness, which are the most important things, really. And so we have to rethink the way that we define the word education in this nation because, as I pointed out in my second book, which is behind me, Words for Warriors, they've redefined education. They've redefined Mm -hmm. the word fascist. They've redefined all of these words. And so our thinking is wrong now on many of these topics. And we really need to refocus ourselves and repurpose ourselves to winning back our language and our culture simultaneously. So Corey, I think that's pretty much what you've been trying to do, right? Absolutely. And Sam, I just want, yeah, that all, all great points. I really like the point that you made about this is not about the employees in the system. It's not a problem with them. It's that there's a messed up set of incentives that's baked into that system, which is leading to schools to be closed for in-person instruction for so long. And over time, if we look at the data, the system hasn't really rewarded teachers appropriately. If you look at between uh, since 1960, we've increased inflation adjusted per pupil education expenditures in the U.S. in their public schools by 280 percent in real terms. And between 1992 and 2014, a report has shown that we've increased real per pupil inflation adjusted education expenditures by about 27 percent. But real teacher salaries, after adjusting for inflation over that same period, dropped by two percent. So we're that's throwing because more it's a closed money. system. Yeah, and we we're throw- not allowing for the free market. It's very simple. Exactly. And the employer has very little incentive to spend the money wisely. And the best way to spend that money wisely is to allocate it towards the teachers doing the work mm-hmm. in the classroom. But so we're just throwing more oh. money at its administrative blow so, and support staff. Mm-hmm. So you don't support diversity uh, administrators <laughs> being hired instead of paying teachers a little bit more? That's not really the way to go? I mean, Uh-oh. seriously. Uh-oh. Look, the public schools can do what they want as long as that's uh, as a result of the free choice of individuals 
choosing their schools. Perhaps a certain type of administrator role is okay. I don't know the perfect amount of any type of administrator in any given school. And that's the beauty of the free market because none of us has that information on the ground that individual families have. And that's a great argument to fund the students as opposed to the institutions. And one more point, mm -hmm. uh, five studies exist on this topic looking again at the co competitive effects of charter schools or private schools on the public school teacher salaries. All five of those studies that I've seen on this topic find statistically significant positive effects of competition from private and charter schools on the mm -hmm. public school teacher salaries. Right. But guess what? Guess what? Common Core, which was adopted uh, throughout the nation without being tested, never tested actually ushers in this idea that there shouldn't be competition. That was the whole premise of Common Core, is that if you go from one school to a different school, the level will be the same. Common Core makes it all common. And, and what parent doesn't want their child to be common? I mean, seriously, it's baked <laughs> into the name. And yet everybody jumped on to the tune of billions of dollars because let's face it, the education game, the school game in this nation is based on dollars, not on results. And so now we have a nation that where children are being dissuaded from learning math, that's part of the common core agenda, and they're being dissuaded from reading classic literature, and they're being, basically, they're being shown pornography in schools. It's it's running rampant now. And I know that most people say, well, my school's different because I, I really like the teachers and I really, it's a cute little school and whatever, but you're asleep at the wheel if you're not reading the books that your children are being, uh, are being uh, assigned. And if you're your child comes home with math homework that you can't do, your child thinks you're the stupid one. Sam, next thing you're, you're gonna tell me that two plus two doesn't equal five, but we'll, we'll save that for a different show. Jill, <laughs> I, I, might, Jill I, I wanna, might actually. I, I wanna shift to something. I, I wanna just do two stats that my guys pulled up for me here that sort of sits yeah. right below all this because I think it's, it's really important to talk about. So pediatric visitations for mental health concerns are up 24% for five to 11 year olds and 31% for 12 to 17 year olds, that's according to the CDC. Uh, and one in four young adults exhibit, exhibited suicidal tendencies during the lockdown, also according to the CDC. Mm -hmm. um, everyone knows these stories. I feel like we've all heard them or directly experienced yeah. them or whatever. Now, I know you mostly deal with educators, but obviously you have young children as well. W what are you seeing on that side of this, the, the, the results of these lockdowns? The results of these lockdowns is that, well, I mean, twofold, just as you said, mental health issues are skyrocketing. And, and I'm not here. I just want to clarify. I am not here to protect the public school system in any way. The whole system is broken. I ag fully agree with all of you in that the system is broken. Uh, but but on the other side of all of this is, like I said, this year the veil was lifted. And for me personally, my eyes were awake. I have been, uh, you know, uh, my kids are third and fourth grade, so they are very small. Since the beginning, I have been reading they are coming home with from school saying, okay, that's good. That's fine. That's weird. That's not good. Hi, teacher. What the heck is this? Speaking up on the other side of this, we need to take Dave, going back to the statistics about mental health. We need to, as parents, take all of this information and studies and findings that have come to light through this horrible, awful year. And for lack of a better word, ramrod it into the faces and onto the desks and into the email inboxes and in person, if we're able to, 
ramrod it to the union leaders, our government officials, just as Sam mentioned, uh, you know, our school boards. I've shown up last week, I sh two weeks ago, I showed up at my school board meeting, the first time they did it in person. I read off specific examples of everything wrong that is happening. They cut my mic off, okay? They cut my mic off. I kept talking. This is the type of cur it was a real scene. It was a lot of fun, let me tell you. <laughs> but this is what we need to keep doing. Yes, pay attention to our kids extra more so over the top than we ever did. And in order to counter all of this woke nonsense that is going on and all of the devastating effects with kids' mental health, it's devastating, it's, it's crippling, we need to rise up. And we need to counter all of it in providing our kids at home what they need in terms of spiritual help, mental help, physical help, uh, teaching our kids American values to offset all of this. So Sam, on the mental health side of this, I feel like there's a lot of people probably watching this, and I'm sure you get this question all the time, that a certain amount of people are very open to homeschooling right now that maybe wouldn't have been a year ago. But they're concerned about the socialization part that, oh, what do you mean? My kids are just gonna stay at home with each other all day. They're not gonna have recess. <laughs> they're not gonna be you know, joking in the back of the class, all of that kind of stuff, yeah. which is related obviously to mental health as well. What, what do you say to parents about yeah. that? So I know that there are some children who are extreme extroverts who really crave being in a classroom with 30 other children. Uh, but I just love that the that inevitably the conversation goes to socialization and shouldn't our kids be in school for socialization? And of course, my answer is, I'm sorry, I thought we were talking about education, but OK, mm -hmm. let's talk about that. Uh, homeschooled kids, by and large, are much better socialized than public school children, because I don't know how you would think that a sixth grader would learn proper manners and good etiquette from other sixth graders, but they don't. Uh, and so homeschooled kids tend to uh, associate with children and adults of all ages, and therefore they are held accountable and they learn how to behave better in public. Now, if you want to argue that going to Yale will get you uh, uh, connections that you wouldn't get going to John Podunk University, um, I can't argue that. Mm -hmm. But if it's but if it's costing you eighty thousand dollars a year and you're not actually getting an education, I'm not sure that it's worth it. So, you know, there, there, there are a lot of ways to come at that question of socialization. Unfortunately, I think it's an invalid question to the topic, which is supposed to be education. Now, if you want to talk about mental health, I wish our schools cared more about our children because the schools that aren't opening aren't opening and they seem and they seem to have less care for the mental well-being of children that they proclaim are better served being in school. Corey, and, I, feel like you, just, I, could, I feel like you yeah. could go in a million directions there. Just well, take yeah, there's a lot of things I wanna say. But um, yeah, I mean, with the whole socialization debate about homeschooling, it always assumes that all <clears> forms <throat> of public school socialization is po a positive form right. of socialization. There's a lot of, plenty of negative examples of socialization that occur in public schools, obedience training, fighting, drugs, gang activity. There's Bullying. The homeschool, you get to avoid a lot of the negative forms of socialization as well and capitalize on the positive forms of socialization as determined by best by the parents. And I will say with the school
pool reopening debate, look, there have been a lot of costs associated with not giving the families the choice to have in-person instruction over the past year. You guys already hit on mental health issues. In the fifth largest school district in the U.S., Clark County Public Schools, student suicides over the past year have already doubled. And so that's that's a huge statistic. And then there's also a lot of other um, evidence of mental health issues going on. But then the learning losses are huge as well. If you look at Fairfax County Public Schools in my area, the a number of students that have uh, the proportion of students that have failed two or more classes since the previous year has increased by 83 wow. percent. And that number has increased by 111 percent for special needs students. And similar numbers have been emerging all across the country. A nationwide study by McKinsey and Company, two of them actually have suggested that students all across the nation are losing months and months of learning. And the learning losses are the worst for students of color and students from low income families as right. well. So this is leading to inequities that were already existing in our public school system. And and for what? There has been, keeping the schools closed has not led to substantial benefits in terms of reducing spread of the community mm -hmm. spread or hospitalizations right. of the coronavirus. Tons of evidence, a review of 130 different studies just came out by John Bailey, who is associated with the American Enterprise Institute. And he published this through the Center for Reinventing Public Education, the most massive study on the topic, review of the literature, suggesting that schools can safely reopen and that school reopenings are not linked to uh, significant increases in community transmission of the virus. Look, every single family should have that choice of in-person or not. And look, the one silver lining from all of this, I think, is that families are, are fed up with it. And yep. they're seeing all of the nonsense about teachers union officials vacationing in Puerto Rico while fighting against going mm -hmm. back to work or sending their own kids to in-person private schools and then railing against right. opening their own schools for work. And the public schools opening the same school buildings for in-person childcare, but not for learning and then charging families out of pocket. Families are seeing all of this and they're rallying behind uh, school choice or what I call giving the money to the family so that they can figure it out. Well, listen, all, all three of you guys are doing great work. Unfortunately, we're out of time, but I'd love to have you back because I just think that this topic, it, it's so important. Like if we're gonna fix any of this stuff, and I guess if is the operative word there, uh, then it starts with education. So we're gonna link to all your websites and all that good stuff right down below. And I thank you guys for joining me and have a great weekend. Thank you. Thank you. All right, a little something on education, people. I, I hope you felt that that was, uh, enlightening and interesting and that you learned a little something there. I thought this was a good sort of uh, threesome for lack of a better term because uh, Corey obviously focuses on choice for the most part. Um, and uh, well, Jill focuses on educating educators about all of this and has her kids in public school. And Sam, of course, is doing the homeschool thing. So I thought it was a nice little, a nice little blend. I hope you got a little bit of information there. And uh, man, it's like this, in some ways, this is the issue that, I, before I said something about how there's the, the mental health issue lies above all this, and then there's just the education thing that lies below everything that we're doing right now. Like if kids are not gonna be taught any of the proper things, this is what Sam was talking about. If they're not gonna be taught any of the proper things, and if two plus two isn't gonna equal four anymore, and truth isn't gonna be truthful, and there are no, gonna be no empirically truthful things. Well then, man, how are we going to fix anything else? So I hope you got a little something out of this. Uh, have a great weekend, everybody. And uh, we're back at 11 a.m. Pacific on Monday. 
Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubenreport.locals.com.